<laughs> Way to go, Sam. Sam's, Sam's back there in the booth, I think. So give Sam a hey and, a, and an applause for that story. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Good morning, Southbrook. For those of you who are new, my name's Charlie. Good to meet you. Uh, it's good to meet you. Yeah. Um, hey, real quick, because uh, <laughs> these, uh, these building projects, you don't do them because you want to. You do them because you have to. And and many of you know that in the last few years, we've been in this project to transition our building into a facility that thousands of students and parents will be coming through. And um, we're really excited about that. Well, I got to tell you that as of today, our steel has been ordered, which is huge. Our construction manager, Monty Trask, has awarded nine contracts. Our building permits are under final review. Our financing has been approved, and we're hoping to break ground this month. So, yay, yay. So you'll, in the coming months, you'll begin to see some, we're under construction, pardon our appearance stuff around here. Uh, none of that would be possible without the 342 giving units who said, I'm going to be a part of that. Many of you don't even have kids, but you just know, logically, we have to reach the next generation where they are. And, and um, so it's really powerful because as of today, of our $4 million goal, we have $3 million in cash right now before we're even starting construction. And that wouldn't happen without you 342 units that said, I want to be a part of students finding peace and tools for dealing with stress and anxiety. But more than that, I want to be a part of them coming into relationship with this place so that they can find Jesus here eventually. And, and we thank you for that. And if you'd like to be a part of those 342 units, we want you to be a part of that. Especially if you're new, you say, I want to be a part of that. Go to playersbox.org and you can figure, you're right there, it'll show you how to be a part. Um, it, everybody matters on this. And we're, we're just, it's a pretty radical thing we're doing. Most churches have a, a gym. We're going backwards. We're turning our theater into something that'll be a gym five, six days a week. So it's, um, it's, it's uh, really neat. For those of you pickleball players, we decided we're going to build four pickleball courts out here too. So all you pickleball nuts will, uh, uh, you know, uh, will, will love that. So anyhow, that's happening. So for the last 30 some summers, I've had this direct intent of detaching from my identity being rooted in the church as a church leader and, and then saying, do I have it within me to not sell the church short one more year? Do I have it within me? So I've always operated on, I'm signing up for another year and get a way to do that. And um, a lot of times that's been restful and uh, this year it wasn't. Because I don't want to sell the church short, and because I am not, and this is not self I am not uh, really well equipped for this. And, so, and people know me well know, no, you're not equipped for leading a church. And that's the people God calls. <laughs> Jeez. Somebody should have told me this 39 years ago. And... Um, because God doesn't call us to be fantastic, he calls us to be faithful. And so I went away for a while this summer, and it was quite candidly so rich. Our, 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 the vacation part was so rich, but it was brutal because the Lord put me on an anvil and said, we're going to do some work. Now, one of the voices of my youth, and some, some of you here, are well, voices of our youth died a few weeks ago, and it caused me to be pretty... Um, uh, you know, sentimental 
Randy Meisner was the first bassist for the Eagles, and he was a lead vocalist on a couple of their songs, but most notably, Take It to the Limit. Anybody remember that song? And those words describe the message the Lord repeatedly spoke into me this summer. Uh, Leading a local church, which the Bible calls the bride of Christ, so it gives us feminine quality to the church, can often feel like being in a relationship with a witchy woman. Only Eagles fans will know what that reference is. She how high she flies. And so I've been, again, I'm going into my 39th year leading local church, and I went into this break with this one thought in mind. Um, I pushed, again, I know you know I work only one day a week, okay? So I get that. But that one day a week, I I worked really hard this year. Like, I pushed it hard. We're launching this whole new Players Box initiative. I taught more. I think this week I teach five times, you know, in various things. And so my intent this year going into break was take it easy. Been running down the road trying to loosen my load. I got seven visions on my mind. Four that want to own me, three that will make people want to stone me. You know, I mean, that, that, that kind of thing. And I went into it going, oh, man, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm done. I, I think I've just, I'm just at the end. And um, the clear message to me that I got from the Lord this summer, including up to the very last speaker, Patrick Lincioni, at the summit on Friday, was, Charlie, I want you to take it to the limit one more time. I want you to take it to the limit one more time. And so, you know, you know this, in Southbrook, you know this, that my intent is to go to I'm 70, but it's a one-year contract. (laughs) <laughs> it's because at any point when I feel like I can't give my best to the bride of Christ, I'm not doing it. And um, there's a line, if I can be candid, which are the words that make my wife nervous when she's sitting here listening to you, to me right now. Uh, there are, there's a line and take it to the limit that many of you will remember. When you get to be my age, those of you in your 60s know this to be true. You you wonder, did I, did I, did I earn enough? Did I, did I, Save it. Have I saved? I mean, you start you start wondering all these things about money, quite honestly, and it and it and um, it it really plays with my head, because I I could have gone to make money, or I could have served Jesus in a way that was radical. Well, I chose to be in the middle, which was lead a local church in the Kershey suburbs. I'm not sure there's a great reward in heaven for that, to be quite honest, because I'm exactly Mother Teresa in Calcutta, okay? I mean, it's not, you know, and, and, and so there's always that feeling like, you know, I, did I just, am I in the middle? Well, my, my college coach used to call it no man's land. And uh, there's a line that a couple weeks ago when I started listening out on nostalgia to the Eagles again on my Spotify, when I was running, there was a line that just grabbed a hold of me. You can spend all your time making money, or you can spend all your love making time. And uh, to me, the Lord said, was saying, I have people who can make money. You're not one of them. That's not the what I gifted you for. But I did gift you to leverage the love of Christ to build eternity into people. You can spend all your love making time. And so today, here I am, 
We're going to take it to the limit one more time. You ready? ready? Okay. I love you guys. Every person, every person, students, I'm telling you, there's going to come a point in your life when you're confronted with this question. Look at it on the screen. What am I made of? What am I really made of when the rubber meets the road? What am I made of? Everybody's confronted with that question at some point in life. And life is essentially repeated opportunities to answer that question. Well, there's a verse in Proverbs that I've always feared with that. Because when I was a kid, I, I wasn't a tough kid. I, I, was, I was a poor loser, you know. I went. You know, I just, I just, I was just, I was not a tough kid. And my dad was this six-three linebacker, and I didn't measure up to him. I know there were points in his life when he thought, oh, I don't know how he's going to turn out, because I just wasn't a tough kid. And so, so knowing that that I feel like a wuss most of the time, Proverbs twenty-four ten has always kind of haunted me. Look at look at these words. Look at these words. If you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? There's zero comfort and compassion in that verse. The, the, the Message Bible translates it this way. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. And you, you know, you read that, and it's just, I love it for it. Just like, what are you made of? That's what, that's what, that's what adversity does. It, it tells you, hey, this is what you're made of. And um, ouch, because we all fear that. We all fear that. And the day of evil comes, and we're not up to the challenge of facing that day of evil. And that's why this year, following our study in 2 Corinthians 2 and 3, we said we're going to follow it up with the most anti-fragile section in the New Testament possible. The most anti-fragile section in the New Testament. And we, a couple years ago, got this term from a best-selling book by Nassim Tlaib. He's a risk management professor at NYU. I'll come back to that in a minute. The reason this is pertinent as we lead into what is our most important month of the year. Our most important month is not December and it's not the lead into Easter. Our most important month of the year catalyzes the rest of the year is the lead into Big Splash. Because it is where the rubber meets the road day. In the last, I don't know, seven, eight years since we started Big Splash, we've had over 2,000 baptisms on Big Splash Day. But more than that, that the, the baptisms that happen throughout the year because of Big Splash Day are more, maybe as, as important. So just catalyze. This is the biggest month of the year for us is right now. We want to be more prayerful, more prepared, more passionate. And here's what you need to know. For those of you who are going to come across the line of faith today, you need to know this, to be anti-fragile, is a requirement of being a Christ follower. To be a Christ follower, you must be anti-fragile. And for those of you who feel weak, you're going, oh, no. Well, here's the good news. You cannot be anti-fragile like Christ was without Christ. There's the hope. The hope is there. Talib in his book defines anti-fragile as this. Some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors, and love adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there's no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Let's call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets 
fatter because of the shocks. And I love what he says. He goes, I'd rather be dumb and anti-fragile than extremely smart and fragile any day. And if you live long enough, you know this is true. Let me hit the pause button here real quick on this before I get into the material. Uh, we live in an, a fragile culture, and the way you can see it spot off is the, the first characteristic of fragile souls is complaining. It is. Complaining is weakness trying to leave a fragile soul. My steak was overdone. This room is too humid. It was the ways, and we have no idea that literally now we know through neuroscience, complaining weakens you. It literally disintegrates your particles. So it, it's from fragility, and then it makes more fragility, because the more you complain, the more you're likely to complain. And so uh, this, and, I mean, this is a complaining culture. We complain about everything. Uh, and, and so if you know that's you, it would be really smart if you have someone that you trust to say, hey, when you catch me complaining, would you do me a favor? When you catch me complaining, just interrupt me and say, whiner, whiner, 49er. Okay, just look, just do that. Just do that for me. I need that because I'm a complainer. I whine about everything. And so practice that right now. Turn to someone and say, would you tell me, whiner, whiner, 49er. Just look to someone right now. Just, it, uh, yeah, there you go, practicing. Now, let me give you a definition of a Christ-based, a Christ framework of anti-fragility that you need to know. We see this all throughout the New Covenant. To be anti-fragile is to be made of the same eternal material as Christ. That's what it means. If you're around church long enough, you'll hear these, like Paul uses the phrase in 1 Timothy, the mystery of godliness is great. What's he talking about? We, you'll hear a word like sanctification. What's that, what's that mean? Well, what it means is, is that as you commit your life to solitude and scripture and service, support, significant events, he begins to create an alchemy in your soul. You begin transitioning into his material. You used to be made of wood, hay, and straw. You're being made into gold and silver and precious stone that only gets better through the fire. It doesn't stay the same through the fire. It gets pure through the fire. So here's this letter that we're studying. Pete started this off last week. And the Apostle Paul, uh, this is crazy to us, he's having, the whole reason we have 2 Corinthians is because there are this church in Corinth that says, you're not legit. You're not impressive, Paul. There's no way you're an apostle. There's no way. We know a real apostle. They're impressive. They're fantastic. We follow them. We listen to their podcasts. We read all their books. I mean, but that's not you. Because he, like, I'm not exaggerating. He was not impressive. The, the, the most effective thinker in the history of Christianity has a letter in the New Testament because people said, he ain't nothing. And so he writes this letter and he says, there's a power in us and you know that's there. There's a power in us that's undeniable. But look at what he says. Pete started with verse one last week. Therefore, since through God's mercy, through this new covenant, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You live long enough in Christ, that will, be, that will be you. So I have this in my office. This is a jar of clay. It's on one of my shelves in my office. 
And every time I look at it, I'm reminded of how fragile innately I am, how unimpressive I naturally am. Um, we recently took all of our VHS videos and, and we sent them off somewhere to have them put into a, you know, a hard, like a, a little, what do you call those? Thumb drive, yeah. And, uh, and it came back. And I, so I, I, again, I don't mean this self-deprecating. I'm so not impressed with myself. It's painful for me to look back on video and watch and just, oh, geez, I, I felt more impressive in the moment than it looks right now. And uh, so I, I naturally look back and I go, gee whiz, uh, man, I don't know what God has done. He's done something. And so I got these and, I'm, and, I, and I, we started watching a few of them were services from the 90s. And I thought, okay. I don't think of it as being very impressive, but I'm sure I'm going to be impressed with, like, well, that was better than I thought it was. It wasn't. It was just as unimpressive as I remember it. And you know why? Because we're jars of clay. And Paul said, that's us. And then he says, so we I have this in there. Uh, I wish this were real. If it were, we would not have a building campaign right now. But, but he says, we have this treasure the jars of clay. And that's really important to know because I'm going to show you something from this illustration in a minute that can be true of you. That the power comes from God. The God who turns water into wine. The God who turns a piece of coal into a diamond over time. That he can do that in you. Yeah. And, and, and that's really important to understand because if you live long enough in Christ, you'll begin to see this happen. You'll become anti-fragile. Look what he says. Look what he says. We break this down. We're hard-pressed on every side, not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Here's the secret. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. How's that? Here's a recruiting campaign for the kingdom. Come to Jesus and he, you'll die with him. That's why the way of Christ is so antithetical to this culture of, oh, feel your way. What do you feel like? Express yourself. That's, and, and the way of Jesus is not that way. The way of Jesus is come. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. When Christ calls a man or woman, he bids them to come and die. Whoa. That's this. It's not about what we want anymore. It's what does he want? We're living obedience to him. For we who are alive and are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. He said the more that this life cracks this and chips this and dings this, the more the diamond of his power becomes evident. <laughs> the more real it becomes. I love that riff. So let me break this down for you. Students, listen to this. Look at this. Four of these things. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Look at what this means. The power we have on the inside is greater than any pressure we have on the outside. Anybody want that? Does anybody want that? Perplexed, but not in despair. The purpose we live by is greater than the uncertainty we live with. Anybody want that? Would you, would you like that? Persecuted but not abandoned. The presence we have with us is greater than any opposition we experience toward us. Anybody want that? By the way, it's coming. Do you know that? 
It's coming. Persecution is coming to those of you who say, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's happening already in this country. It's coming. There is going to be a price for you to say, I am a follower of Christ. It's coming. And Paul says, what's going on inside of us? Greater than any persecution around us and toward us. Struck down, but not destroyed. The particles of our being are greater than the pain in our lives. Anybody want that? Anybody want to be made of substance that when cancer hits, you get better? When all your friends abandon you and you're a sophomore with two more years of high school to go, three more years of high school to go, you actually thrive through that? Does anybody want that? Guess what? You can't do it. Not without Jesus. If you look at that list and you say, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. And you think this is about a moral move. I'm going to try to be that kind of person. You won't be without Jesus. You'll either end up too tough on the outside that it's bravado, or you're so tender on the inside that you, you, just, you, just, you don't have it. And Jesus makes both. He makes us like him. Eternally tough, eternally tender. He makes us anti-fragile. And if you're sitting in this chair today, that you're sitting in, and, and, and you look at that list, here's what I want you to say. I want you to say, Jesus Christ, come into my being today. I can't be that person, but I want to be. And I believe that I can do all things through Christ who gives me anti-fragile strength. If that's you, you're on your way. Look at this. To be given the gift of eternal life. Listen to me. Means to be given the quality of materials that will last forever. In the West, we think of eternal life as linear, progressive, quantitative. You're going to live a long time. It's not quantitative. It's qualitative first. Whenever you see the phrase eternal life in Scripture, it means the quality of material that lasts forever. You're not made of wood, hay, and straw anymore. The wood of popularity. The hay of power. The straw of possessions. You're not made of that anymore. What makes you up is the gold, silver, and costly stones of Christ. That's what makes up your being. That's why, you, that's why when your day of evil comes, you'll get better. And we all want that. Everybody wants that. If you, you know, one of the things I'd love to do is I love to read into and listen to the mythologies of our culture, which means I love the Marvel Comics timeline is what that means. So Sherry was gone a few weeks ago and on a, on a uh, trip, and, and she was gone for like five days. So every night, man, Marvel Universe, here I come. And there's this timeline you can go through where you just go all the, all the movies in a timeline. I, I skipped through most of them, but, but the Avengers part, man, I, I hit that and the ones that were relevant to that. And I just love the mythology because the mythologies speak to our longings. They hit it, the nail on the head with our longings. And one of them is the human soul longs to be anti-fragile. We long for that sense that, okay, something's coming, but I've got it. With Jesus, I've got it. And so I watched, knowing this message was coming up, I thought of Captain America with fresh eyes. If you don't know that mythology, Steve Rogers is this scrawny, tiny, skinny, 
5'4", 110-pound kid from Brooklyn who has this strong desire to fight the Nazis for his country, but he is 4F because he's just too fragile. That's, I mean, he is rejected for service because he's just too fragile. But they see his heart. They see that he wants to be in the battle. And so he is chosen for an experiment intended to create super soldiers. And he is painfully injected with particles that will transform him. And to me, the moment that you need to see, the moment, look it up on YouTube, is the moment where he's in the machine of transformation and it is so painful. And the doctor goes, shut it down. And he says, no, don't shut it down. And that's what it'll feel to follow Christ. Sometimes you'll want to go, shut it down. And Jesus says, no, I've got you. Because you know what I'm doing? I'm turning you into the kind of gal who can fall when you're battling those aliens coming through the clouds from eight stories and you bounce up and go, whew. Because you know what? The human soul wants to be the kind that can fall from eight stories and go, oh, I'm anti-fragile. And this is, this is the hope. This is the mystery of godliness. That's what it is. Christ provides the promise. The buzzword for years has been an alchemy of the soul. Now, here's, here's what's cool about the promise of Christ in us, the hope of glory, is this. Look at, look, look at this. When we live with Christ, when we live in Christ, and he in us, Christ begins the process of turning the clay material into the diamond material. Some of you wouldn't pay $10 for this vase, but if it were made of gold and silver, What's its value? And this is the promise of godliness. This is the promise of giving your life fully to Christ is that he then begins to take the diamond materials and he begins to make you with the diamond material. Isn't that crazy? That's why I keep this. This is my hope because I don't have what it takes, but he does. He does. Is this better than religion, friends? Is this better than clocking in 11 o'clock every Sunday to just do my, my God thing? No, this is better. This is why, you know, until I read Bonhoeffer biography this summer, 600 pages, and it just wrecked me. But I forgot how much our church is based on the writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of them being, we are done with mere religion. We are moving to authentic Christianity. We, you know, where he, he's the one that, that helped us phrase it. We want to connect people to Christ, not religion. Not clocking in, doing your, you know, stuff, the bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, and then move on to live however you want. No, we're done with that. Why? It's because when we live with Christ, and we live in Christ, and he in us, Christ turns the clay material into the diamond material. And this, the imagery in Scripture that Paul uses is he says, some of you have been building with wood, hay, and straw. It's time to take a hard look and say, do you want to build with gold, silver, and costly stones? Because someday it's going to be revealed what you built with. Someday it's going to be revealed. What's it going to be? That's why this month has a sense of urgency in it that is just beyond the pale. Because it is today. Today is the day for you to make that decision. So the question, the question, what am I made of? If, it's, if you haven't already, 
a day is coming in your life when you will be faced with that question. What are you made of? What are you made of? Because something's going to come your way that's, that, that makes you feel fragile. You can walk out of here today. Look at this. Look at this. You can walk out of here today and say this. You can walk out of here today and say this. I am made of Christ materials. More every day until one day, on the day, I will be completely made of the eternal. There will be no temporary stuff left. The fire of his judgment and grace will purify me until all that's left is Christ. Gold, silver, and costly stuff. You can walk out of here today and that's you. It's a decision you make. You begin to leverage solitude and scripture and service, support significant events, so that you might be transformed into the likeness of Christ. That just doesn't mean look like him. It's built like him. Some of you I know well. Enough to know there are a lot of you just like you who are here and need to hear this. And yesterday I was on my run and I and I, I I've just been taking this nostalgic Eagles tour the last couple of weeks because of Randy Meisner dying and, and just how much this I, mean, I can literally remember where I was with certain songs sometimes and and I didn't have a way to say here's why this is important and then on my Spotify the first song that came up when I started my run was Desperado. Some of you know those words. Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long. Desperado, you ain't getting no younger. Your pain and your hunger, they're driving you home. And then these words just wrecked me. Desperado, you better let somebody love you. You better let somebody love you. You better let somebody love you before it's too late. And I know some of you are riding the fence. You are, and you know it. You're kind of into Jesus, and you come every Sunday, and you get your three pounds of Jesus in a paper sack to go, but it really doesn't. It's not something... That you're in Christ and He is in you. And you need to let Him love you today. Just, just love you. To where you are His. And He is yours. He is your friend. He is your Lord. He's your Savior. And He is in charge of your eternity. Today's that day. Three weeks from right now, we'll be baptizing people. It's time for you to be one of those people. Your choice. Not your parents' decision. Your decision. To say, I am made of Christ's materials. The water is my conversion element. 
And I'll be more made of him every day, every year I live. Until when the day comes and his judgment and grace will burn everything else away. And only he will be left. Forever. It's your day. Father, I know within the sound of my voice are those who know they've been riding the fence for too long. No more in America can you be riding fences with regard to Jesus. This is the era of, are you in or are you not? We prayerfully this month are praying that you use us to bring many across that line of I am his and he is mine. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And he's making me more anti-fragile every day. For all the desperate souls that are hungering for something, you're waiting. You're waiting for them to come home. And uh, we get to be the greeters. We thank you for that. We give you this month as a faith family for your glory and your honor and your love. We're going to take it to the limit one more time. And everybody say, Amen. See you next week, everybody, for part three.